check this out, y'all. This is me, DMC, and the place to be. And the place for you to always be at all times, 250,000 days, a million plus billion in a year is Nerd Thusias. Nerd Thusias is the place to be taken from me. I know a lot about places to be. And while you're there, like and subscribe. Rah. Welcome to the Nerd Enthusiast Music Podcast, where today we're going to be discussing horror or spooky or spooky songs, spooky songs, scary songs, stuff you should have on your playlist at any kind of Halloween party. But before we jump into that, some quick housekeeping. We just want to remind you guys to please follow us over on social media at Nerd Enthusiast or on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Twitter, you can follow us on all of those things. Make sure you guys support us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash nerdthusiast, where you can get exclusive shows from uh, different creators from us every single month. So there's sometimes there'll be wrestling stuff, music stuff, gaming, poker, all sorts of things on there each month for you guys, just for subscribing. If you can't subscribe to us on Patreon, we totally understand if you don't have the means or you don't feel like it. You could also support us just by giving us a five-star review over on, you know, Apple Podcasts or, you know, liking the podcast uh, show on whatever subscription device you have for podcasts. And finally, before we get into things, I want to introduce my co-host, Mr. John Brenner. John, how are you? I'm doing great, Matt. How are you today? I'm doing excellent as well. Let's hop right into things starting right now. The biggest song anybody should have on their Halloween playlist is Thriller by Michael Jackson, correct? Oh, definitely. It's it's uh, I mean, I know it's kind of cliche at this point, but it is kind of cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. It's it's the it's so iconic. I mean, I remember when this video came out, it was it was an event like you had to be home to watch the premiere of Thriller and the song still lands. I don't think a lot of old music gets through to younger generations, but I think Thriller is probably something that's going to stick around for like for generations to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. It has to be on your uh, it has to be on your playlist. And I don't think we need to talk too much about Thriller. Everybody knows Thriller. Yeah. Make sure it's on your playlist. Next up, we're going to dive into, uh, you know, something that John and I are really into, which would be the, the punk rock scene, the Ramones Pet Cemetery. Perfect song. This is from an era of the Ramones that a lot of uh, hardcore fans are detractors of because this is kind of when the Ramones started experimenting more musically. There's a lot of synth work on this song, but, but I think that was though. I and I, I think it fits and I, I think it was it was good for the band to do something different. You can only put out the same Ramones record, uh, you know, 40 times. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I love them all. They can put out the same record 40 times, but I, I, I kind of like to see them they kind of grew as a band a little bit and uh, Stephen King wanted a Ramon song for the movie and Didi pumped this out in one night. Didi Ramon, who I consider to be the most underrated songwriter in American history. Didi's just the greatest. And yeah, he pumped this out in one night and I've, it fits the tone of the movie perfectly. And it also has a really goofy and ridiculous video that you should all check out. 
I don't know that I've ever seen the video, but I, I, obviously I've seen the movie Pet Cemetery. The, the movie's great. The song is one of my favorite by the Ramones. So I know there's a lot of people saying what you mentioned earlier, but I, I mean, I, I really do think this is one of their best songs. I love it. I love it. And it's always one of my karaoke go-tos in Halloween time. Hell yeah. <laughs> Definitely have this on your list. Another one you need on your list is Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon. I can't say enough great things about Warren Zevon. This is off uh, the record Excitable Boy, which is one of my favorite albums. You should all check that record out if you have the means. Just a great, great album. Warren does not get enough credit for his overall discography, but he is known. uh, Everybody knows this song. It's a fun little uh, jam that uh, gets a lot of play this time of year. I love the little horror references in there with Lon, Ch- both Lon Chaney's, Lon Chaney and Lon Chaney Jr. Both get name checked in this song. I mean, that piano is just so much fun. It's just a fun, fun Halloween time song. At this point, this is probably like considered like a classic rock song, right? Yeah. I mean, this always gets played on classic rock radio, especially this time of year. Yeah. It, it's, it's difficult as I get older. It's like. I don't know what's considered classic rock at what point or what's not anymore. I remember driving in my car, listening to 105.7 The Hawk one night, and someday, I suppose, by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones came on classic rock radio, and my <laughs> mind, I, 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 <laughs> I nearly, that, that, uh, my, my Toyota Camry nearly spun off the side of the road. Like, what? <laughs> like, if this is classic rock, what do we call eight? What do we call uh, oldies now? You know? <laughs> yeah, man. It's it is so. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You figure like stuff. So, yeah. In the, so stuff in the 70s, like oldies now. That's what I'm saying. Like, what, what if you listen, <laughs> if you turn on WOGL, what do they got going on? You know, what are they playing? Like the police? <laughs> yeah. Very confusing. It's possible, but I mean, I think I think it's going to have to move that way, right? Because, I mean, this is a whole tangent. I'm sorry, guys. We'll try not to go too far into this, but I'm very curious to see what happens because, in my opinion, the people who listen to, like, music from, uh, like, the Sinatra era, that music's going to be, like, pretty much gone. Like, there will be some people that still listen to that, but when that the, the generation or, or two behind us that, that was really into that stuff, you know, is no longer with us, I think most of that music dies with them. Would you agree? Yeah, well, I, re- I, rem- I remember in the early 2000s going back to classic rock radio and it being like, oh my God, Guns N' Roses is classic rock now. <laughs> and this is, this is weird. This is weird. You know, classic rock supposed to be, you know, Led Zeppelin and before, you know? <laughs> it was... right. It was very, it was like, all right, I'll give you Van Halen. You can have Van Halen on your classic rock station. But now (laughs) once you get older than, once you get younger than Van Halen, I don't know. That's really murky territory for me. And that was 20 years ago. So I can't even imagine (laughs) what a classic rock station is doing right now. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably close to being on, you know, just the oldie station. (laughs) You're going to hear Blink 182 tracks on classic rock stations not too long from now. It's going to be weird when we hear like rap music on the oldie stations. I'm sure some of it are, it already exists to some extent, but like I want to hear like Wu Tang on the <laughs> oldie station, man. Here on WOGL, this the, the uh, golden oldies. Here's insane. Here's insane in the brain by Cypress Hill. <laughs> Wait, the Cypress Hill's probably closer to being on there than Wu Tang. Yeah. 
Oh man, oh that's fun. That's a, yeah, that's fun. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry to go off on that tangent, but it's an it's an important conversation to have been had. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's get something that's probably not there yet, but eh, arguable if it should be. Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. I feel like this is a this is obviously a well known big song that. I, it sometimes gets overlooked at Halloween parties because people are just like, oh, well, that's a Ghostbusters song. It's not a Halloween song. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, it's a Ghostbusters. It's the Ghostbusters song. Is there anything more Halloween-y than the Ghostbusters? Come on now. And this song probably definitely gets played on uh, oldie stations now because of where it is generationally speaking. Oh, yeah. And, and it's a party song. It's got to be on your Halloween party playlist. This is a party jam. I just feel like people forget it sometimes. That's all. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be there. It absolutely should be there. But I feel like people like look at it and like, oh, well, it's like, you know. I don't know. I mean, even Make the intro more. is even the intro is ooh, spooky. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I, I, that's I, true. I, I love this song, but and it is it is funny to think that Huey Lewis gets a songwriting credit on this because he sued Ray Parker Jr. because they stole the the melody is just essentially new drug by Huey Lewis and the News. So they stole like a sample from the music and like included it in their song without getting permission or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was old wild west <laughs> known as the eighties. <laughs> oh man, I think around that time copyright was just becoming like more important. You know, before then, it was probably like just the goddamn Wild West where you just did whatever the hell you want and got away yeah, with it. Just take it take, yeah, it was, it was pre-Napster. <laughs> Pre-Napster. Oh, man, that was a long time ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, speaking of Napster, I remember going to a face-to-face show. I guess it was during that time, and they had, like, those, these big-ass Napster banners everywhere. Like, face-to-face was, like, all for Napster. And this was at a time when, like, Metallica was, like, going against Napster. Like, it was all during that that time where like you had a huge swath of bands supporting them and then a huge amount of bigger bands like suing the shit out of them trying to make sure that that didn't continue yeah and it was and it was funny that the people that were suing napster were actually correct in their argument but for the wrong reasons that's how i that's how i stand by it yeah i mean now i mean we basically have the fallout of napster now which is you know like things like spotify you know, that that's basically what it ended up becoming like cool we're gonna pay you you're not gonna get paid as much as you would if you sold a record but we're gonna pay you something you're gonna get something for your music you're gonna get you're gonna get a penny for every ten thousand downloads <laughs> yeah it's probably it's probably terrible dude i don't know how they get away with charging 9.99 a month like it, it's great for consumers don't get me wrong but i don't know how you survive as a band when the, the subscription service is 9.99 and i could play your album 24 7 you know, and it doesn't matter. It's still paying nine ninety nine. Yeah, I have like access to like seventy percent of all music ever recorded at my disposal for nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> it's nuts, dude. It's nuts. It's so crazy how that flipped too, because like iTunes was so important. I won't go down that hill. We're gonna we're gonna save that for another podcast. Well, we can talk about like the the evolution of digital music over the past few years. But man, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, that could be a whole episode. We we should probably stop. We should. <laughs> boingo, boingo, Dead Man's Party. What do you think about this song? Uh, great song. Great band. Uh, just so 80s. I can't think of the 80s without thinking of Oingo Boingo. This was an iconic scene in the movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, where Oingo Boingo is playing this song live. 
And it, <laughs> and it was and it was fun because I didn't even know until I was listening to it for the show. You know, you have those Spotify notes with the company, you know, the song notes that come up on your TV while you're playing. I didn't realize that Elfman had scored back to school as well. And obviously, Danny Elfman is primarily known for doing movie scores. Right. But that was one of his but that was one of his first, you know, before hmm. he jumps on to, you know, doing all doing all the scores for the Tim Burton movies. So, so did but he it, create like original music for the movie? Is that what you're saying? Or yeah, did they yeah, yeah. Like, he's the, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. He's the composer okay. for the score. And I'll have to go back and rewatch the movie because to me, it doesn't really, I can't imagine Danny Elfman doing the score for Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. When I think of Danny Elfman's scores, I think of Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Edward Scissorhands. yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry to curse everybody. Yeah. Love that movie. Love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I need to go, dude, it's been a long time since I watched it, but I love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, uh, side note on Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Me and Sakali uh, went to a screening of Pee-wee's Big Adventure maybe about 10, 12 years ago. And it might have been the most fun movie theater experience I ever had in my life. <laughs> everybody was laughing at the jokes about three seconds before they would occur. <laughs> and it was just like, you could just hear little giggles knowing that he was going to say, is there something you want to share with the rest of us? Amazing. Larry, <laughs> like, it was coming. you're already giggling. You're prepared for it. It was just a blast. So, so if you ever, if you ever see that uh, Pee Wee's big adventures, some theaters have a screening of Pee Wee's big adventure. You probably have those kind of things out your way. I would definitely take uh definitely take advantage of it. Not here where I live in the desert, but if I were to travel a little uh, more westward towards LA, I, I'm sure there's like independent theaters that are that are showing films like that. Yeah, revival houses and whatnot. So Danny Elfman becomes kind of synonymous with composing music for movies. It was it's kind of fun that uh, his band that he was in has some songs and movies too. One that I just want to mention real quick was "No One Lives Forever." Was a really awesome Oingo Boingo song featured prominently in the awesome and underappreciated sequel Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. So I would check that out. But Dead Man's Party is the more known song. Probably more people will know it at your party. I wonder if he also had, I wonder if they used that song. There was a, a video game from like, uh, probably like the early 2000s called uh, No One Lives Forever. So I'm wondering if they actually got his music as a license because that that game specifically, there's many like re-releases and things that have happened over like games throughout the years, like cult followings. That game has a cult following and has never been re-released. And I'm wondering, and usually when that happens, it usually has to do with the rights. I wonder if they used that song and now they can't, you know, re-release the game because of it. That could be. I could see that. I could see that song being in, being used prominently in a video game. That could be fun. And then, of course, uh, just thinking about Elfman real quick. I didn't have this in my notes. I was just thinking of it. You can also use anything from the Nightmare Before, any songs from the Nightmare Before Christmas, which obviously is Elfman's music and that's Elfman's voice. He's Jack Skellington's singing voice. Nice. That's awesome. I did not know that. That's really cool. So I will say this before I move on. I, I did listen to Dead Man's Party. I'm not a fan. I do not like that song. No offense to Oingo Boingo. No offense towards anybody, but I was not a fan of that song. Not good. Not good. Anyway. Wrong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're going to disagree from time to time. That's totally fine. A song I was a big fan of was Alice Cooper's Man Behind the Mask. What an excellent jam. Straight up, just 80s. Oh, my God. It's so good. So good. I'm in love with this song. He made it for Friday the 13th Part 6, which is my favorite 
of the uh, Friday franchise. That's just a really fun movie. I almost call it proto scream because there's lots of little inside jokes about the Friday franchise littered throughout the movie. And it's kind of fun that way. And it's just great. It's just fun. Jason just stalking and murdering. And this song is uh, was Alice Cooper did this song for the movie. And it is just a lot of fun. And I have to mention, I'd be I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, I actually got to see Alice Cooper two weeks ago. That's so and awesome. It was so much fun. I didn't realize how much of an Alice Cooper fan I was. I knew every single song. I was singing along the whole night. I just went as a last minute thing. Some friends had some tickets. And Dor- he played this song, which I didn't know. It's It's something he doesn't play a lot. It's apparently he brought he brought it out on this tour and during the during the song he has uh he has Jason Voorhees come out and kill a counselor. <laughs> it was so much damn fun. This song is a blast. Put it on your list. It's uh it's just awesome. Yeah, it definitely needs to be there. Now another one that, that you added, I'm gonna have you talk about this more than me, was Twisted Sisters Captain Howdy. So the, the one thing I'll leave you guys with before Brenner takes over on this one is I have seen Twisted Twisted Sister play live. Seen them in New Jersey and Atlantic City, but it was during the release of a Christmas album and they played nothing but Christmas songs, which was awesome because they had some really good Christmas covers, which I quite enjoyed. But Captain Captain Howdy was not on there. What do you think about Captain Howdy? Well, first off, I love that Christmas record. That Twisted Sister Christmas Christmas record is awesome. And but put that on your Christmas playlist. (laughs) But but, uh, Captain Howdy. This is like a genuinely eerie and creepy song. Uh, that, that was one of the reasons that I, 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 uh, I picked this song out. I, um, I really am a big fan of the Twisted Sister record, Stay Hungry. It has, uh, you know, it has the classics, We're Not Gonna Take It, uh, Burn in Hell, I Wanna Rock. And this song always seemed kind of out of place on it because uh, Twisted Sister is usually fun and goofy, and this song actually is genuinely eerie. When I hear D. Snyder just do that, it's so nice. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I actually this song actually scares me. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely creepy. I, I would recommend listening to it if you haven't heard it before. Uh, something good to put on your playlist. Twisted Sister always good to put on your playlist. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Twisted Sister. D. Snyder rules. Then we have Blue Blue Oyster Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper. This is a, a well-known song. I don't think we need to talk about this very much. Basically, everyone needs more cowbell. So I'll leave it at that. Brendan, what do you have to say about it? You gotta have more cowbell. <laughs> gotta. I, got, I mean, I got a, I got a fever. <laughs> but um, Iconic skit. Th- this song is just cool it's got one of the it's got one of the great guitar riffs of all time such a good riff it's uh i mean you you, how can you not have a halloween playlist and not have a song on it called don't fear the reaper i always kind of wonder i'm very curious to how little money blue oyster cult gets for this song because it seems to be very easy to license you have an entire saturday life you have that entire Saturday Night Live uh, skit that's replayed all the time, and I can't. If they should be getting tons of bank for it, it's the only song of a, of not original music in Hollow the movie Halloween, and they didn't. <laughs> and that movie didn't cost any money to make. 
Yep. So I can't imagine they were handing out much uh, licensing rights, money for licensing rights for uh, for songs to use. No, they're probably like hundred bucks and a pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, just the fact that it is featured in the movie Halloween is enough to know that it should be on your Halloween playlist. Great Absolutely. song. Well said. Another one on there. This is a band that I saw recently. Uh, they happen to open up for the Descendants. Is TSOLs code blue this this is a song probably their most popular song they ended the show with this i would imagine they end most of their shows with this i actually i didn't really see them there was a concert i went to before i saw tsol most recently i saw them like maybe like four years ago there was like a huge punk show in southern california and i went to that tsol was there as i walked in they were playing this song and i think that was ending their show then this has to be their most popular song but uh what do, what do you think about code blue Great song. The first time I ever heard it was actually a Bouncing Souls cover of it on the punk rock jukebox compilation where uh, all these current bands at the time did punk rock classics, covers of punk rock classics. I was like, holy shit, this song <laughs> is ridiculous. Oh, it's um, ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Do not uh, do, don't have those uh, lyric sheets hanging around your, uh, your 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 room if 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 your parents are cleaning. You know, yeah. Uh, don't don't have this song playing around your children if you have children. <laughs> <laughs> the, the great YouTube video that just came out of uh, this couple w- watching this song and hearing it for the first time and just being aghast <laughs> by by the content in this song um, since. I discovered this song. I became, over the years, a very, very, very big TSOL fan. And they do close most sets with this song. Um, I've only seen them uh, twice. And the most recent time being two years ago down here in Miami. And it was my first time. It was the, the previous time I saw them. They were uh, they were opening up for um, that uh, Black Flag reunion with uh, Steven Egerton and Bill Stevenson and Keith Morris uh, doing Black Flag songs, and TSOL was the uh, was the opener. That was my first time seeing them. So this was it was really cool to get to see them in, in a headlining uh, situation. Got to see their full set. They were amazing. They're incredible. This song is eerie. It's spooky. The album that this comes from, Dance with Me, I would say is a top ten punk rock record ever, and it has lots of gothic and spooky themes in it throughout. But Code Blue is definitely the uh, the, the the standout that everybody knows and yeah if you've never heard it before be, be very prepared to cringe <laughs> when you, yeah. when you... The, the subject matter just so you know without giving the whole i mean it's the main part of the song but it's about necrophilia so very warm and cozy for you to now, enjoy. now funny side note code blue is actually like what police and first responders use uh meaning dead body there's a dead right. body it's we have a code blue now Every hotel I've ever worked at has also had code blue means, you know, a dead body. Right. Now, at my current hotel, they have the code blue means clogged toilet. So needless to say, why would you change up what the standard is? So needless to say, (laughs) on my first day working, I hear on the walkie. Uh, room 237 code blue i go running because i think my housekeeper discovered a body and they just needed a, the, the engineer to bring a plunger <laughs> i don't know why you would change it up like you have all these things like in history like once there's a standard set 
what kind of balls does it take to just change that? I go, <laughs> I'm not talking to one of the, and to one of the most common, and to one of the most common things. You take the thing that is for the by far least common instance in the hotel industry, and then replace it with the thing that is the most common. Yeah, seriously, horrible, very horrible, stupid. The, the equivalent of that is like calling 911 not an emergency like, <laughs> like in this in this area of the country 911 is for we swapped out 911 and 411 exactly you need some information dial 911 oh my god <laughs> let's get into some a little bit i guess a little bit more and you would i maybe associate with it's not goth but maybe you would associate it more on those lines and that's metal music which is a huge part of the Halloween theme, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. And yeah, we we, we couldn't really do goth because the genre of goth, because you would just you could do all you could go all day. Uh, before we go into metal, I will say if you do want to include a goth jam in your in your playlist, Bauhaus's Bella Lugosi is dead is the way to go. And yeah, no need, no need to get into goth because that's pretty much the entire genre uh metal definitely you can't think of horror you can't metal is definitely and horror definitely go hand in hand right for sure the second half of this this show is going to be basically all metal and then a little bit of punk rock and that's that's how we're going to end this thing but the first metal song that i thought of when we were talking about this was sanitarium by metallica which is off of of course the, the classic master of puppets yeah, this is a cool song, cool album. I always go back and forth between which one is my favorite, Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning. I, I, feel, um, you, I feel you on that. I, I have determined that my favorite is Ride the Lightning. I absolutely love that album, but Master of Puppets is right up there. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a classic record. And this song is definitely eerie. I, I was a little surprised when you brought it up because I don't think of it as like a song that I would want to jam out to at a party. But I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a party song unless it's like a heavy metal themed party because this is not really like a happy song, you know? No, but it's kind of, it it is kind of fun to uh, change the mood up a little bit from time to time. And this song definitely does that. Um, The one thing I did notice when I was listening to this record or this song for for this uh, show, man, did Metallica miss Cliff Mm. after you know, he passed because this bass and this song is just awesome. Yeah, I think and, he died on this tour, right? Like that's when he when that bus crashed. Uh yeah. Yeah. And then and then obviously he wasn't there for uh Injustice for All, which right. they for for whatever reason, poor Jason Newstead, they don't even like I think they put the bass at one <laughs> on that record. You can't even hear bass on the He's on an the, excellent bassist too, man. Yeah. Like, it's so sad. I feel bad they, for like, him. Yeah. yeah man. I feel yeah, I mean, he wasn't Cliff, but who is? You know, you know, it's, it's like you know, but no, really, really cool song. Definitely definitive Metallica. That bass and that breakdown, just cool, man. Cool, 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 cool song. Now I want to listen to it. It's been a little while. <laughs> but a song I haven't listened to before was this. I listened to some Maiden recently. I haven't been into Maiden for like really my entire life, but. In 2020, like early 2020, like probably like maybe the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. I don't know for what whatever reason, I started really listening to a lot of like Ozzy Osbourne and some Black Sabbath and stuff. 
And then that kind of transitioned into me listening to Iron Maiden for really the first time. So I'm kind of a new Iron Maiden fan. I, I've listened to, you know, a handful of their songs randomly. Uh, the only album that I've listened to, like, front to start is their newest album, which you were mentioning a lot of people didn't like. I actually like their new album quite a bit. Yeah, I love the new Maiden record. It's What people don't like about it is every song on it's 10 minutes long. I'm like, yeah, I've always wanted an album that is com- an Iron Maiden album completely dedicated to epics, and I finally got my wish. That's, that's you know how many, the new Iron Maiden. You know how many songs on Metallica albums are, like, eight minutes plus? Like, there's, there's a whole bunch of them, and they're fucking great. Like, who cares how long the song is? Yeah, I think people people were looking for the this this the, uh, the Iron Maiden single that doesn't exist on that record. You know that that's 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 people's complaints. I love it. Uh, definitely do yourself a favor and listen to Power Slave start to fin- start to finish, and that'll put you down a rabbit hole. You'll son, you'll be a completist. But the song that we are discussing to me is not definitive Iron Maiden by any stretch, and that is Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Um, which was it's it was it was a, it was a decent sized hit for Iron Maiden. It did get ra- it did get some radio play. They had a video for it. It was actually originally written as a Bruce Dickinson solo song that he did for the Nightmare on Elm Street Five soundtrack. Oh, wow. and bass players and bass player Steve Harris loved it so much. He's like, "We're gonna put that on uh, No Prayer for the Dying. We need to put that on No Prayer for the Dying," which is coincidentally the worst Iron Maiden record. But <laughs> but so honestly, this is not one of my favorite Iron Maiden songs. But you know what? If it comes on, I am rocking out to it. And if they were to play it live, I would lose my shit because it is just a fun song. It is it's it's a, it's a blast. It's an appropriate song for this time of year, without a doubt. Absolutely, bring your daughter to the slaughter. So a few moments ago, I mentioned. You know how I was listening to Ozzy that transitioned to me into Iron Maiden. So now, why don't we talk about Ozzy? What comes to your mind for like horror Halloween themes when you think Ozzy Osbourne? Well, Mr. Crowley comes to mind. <laughs> oh, what an awesome, creepy ass little song! <laughs> that organ, that organ intro. Oh, oh man. so good, so good, so good. And, and it is, it, it's the the Blizzard of Oz record is honestly. My point that I make when I say that both Black Sabbath and Ozzy did the right thing when they parted ways. I love Dio era Black Sabbath and I love this era of Ozzy. He found he found Randy Rhodes and those last couple Sabbath records with Ozzy were not the best when they came out. They needed a change. Ozzy needed a change. And uh Mr. Crow- uh, you know, Mr. Crowley's a is a standout track, man. <laughs> it's a standout track. It most certainly is. I love that song. It was one of the first songs I really liked by Ozzy. I think I, I bought like Ozman Cometh, which was almost like a greatest hit. So it was like the first album I had from Ozzy. And that was I don't know how many times I played Mr. Crowley, but that got like some of the most play from that record without a doubt. Without a doubt, that was on there. And it's definitely a party jam. <laughs> oh yeah. You can get away really? with that for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, John, I don't know if you're going to know this one or not. This is a newer song. This is from his 2020 record. The song is called Under the Graveyard. And there's, I actually like this album a lot. Uh, I don't remember the name. Of it. The album is Ordinary Man, I believe, which there's also a song called Ordinary Man off the album. I really, really like this Ozzy album a lot. It was one of my favorite albums from 2020. And this song is probably the standout song from that album. Have you listened to Under the Graveyard at all? 
Uh, this was my first time listening to it, and I, I definitely dug it. Um, I, I wasn't really feeling Halloween vibes, and then that solo kicked in, and I'm like, oh, this is Halloween-y as hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I dug it. Um, I'll, be, I'll be checking out the, uh, the album in more detail later, for sure. Yeah, man. So there's some oddities on there. Like there's he he has some collaborations uh, with some different people, which I was some I was all right with, some I wasn't. Like Ordinary Man has um it has Elton John on there, and the song is fantastic. You guys should definitely listen to Ordinary Man. That's probably my second favorite song off the album. And there's some other artists and stuff he does songs with, and some of them are better than others. Just check it out. It's it's worth listening to. I I I. It just hit me at the right, you know, you know, when you listen to an album and it hits you at the, the right place at the right time, uh, when, yeah. that, when that album came out, it was like, like perfect for my life at that moment. And I immediately connected with the album after my first listen. And that's really rare. Usually I had to listen to an album, like probably I would say five times to like understand the album and appreciate it in a different way. And then I'll know if it's for me or not, but not this album, man. I listened to it once and I was like, shit. I love you have this. way more pa- you have way more patience than I have. If I if 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 I don't like if I'm not feeling a record my first listen, that's not uh, I might not be giving it a second play. <laughs> not at this point in my life. Well, I think that another possibility is you might listen to music more in depth than I do. I'm I'm usually doing other things. I'm usually highly distracted. I have to find moments where I can listen to a record and like really listen to a record. And usually that's either a I'm listening with headphones on because that's that's the best for me. That's the best. There's, if I can listen with headphones on, that's put me in a whole other universe. Or two, if I'm in the shower because I can't leave, I'm not watching a screen, I can't look at anything, all I can do is listen. Uh, how about that awkward moment when your, your playlist is on shuffle and you're in the shower and the next song is at an incredibly high volume <laughs> and, you, and it's really awkward and you have to somehow get out of the shower and lower the volume and you're all wet, gross. That happens to me three times a week. That or or the song is like quieter and you have to like turn up the volume. <laughs> well, then I'm just then I'm just annoyed, but I, I don't have to hop out of the I don't, I'm not getting out of the shower for that. But that's if I'm true. afraid I'm going to, you know, I'm going to piss off the other people that live in the house. Yeah, that's uh, I got to I got I got to hop out of the shower all gross. And now I got now I got a wet bathroom floor. My bedroom <laughs> floor is wet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good time. No, no. You know what I need? I, I, I'm just lazy. I'm not stupid. I'm just lazy. I need to like set up Google Home or like Alexa or something so I can just tell it to like, you know, change the volume or change the song. I just I'm lazy and don't haven't done that yet. Yeah, I, I have it set up that way, but she can't hear me if things too loud. That's true. That's very true. Another classic metal song we have here around the time I started listening to Metallica, who I was introduced by my cousin, also introduced me to Pantera. And uh, this is a seminal Pantera song called cemetery yates yeah this song was on the demon knight soundtrack uh the um tales from the crypt outfit um <laughs> killer soundtrack that thing had uh had grave diggers which was kind of like the spooky wu-tang uh concept i know what you're talking about Absolutely. yeah 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 but uh but the but cemetery gates was uh was the standout on that soundtrack and it was a classic pantera song and it's like uh, and you know what i might i might be uh in the minority here that's a classic movie to as far as i'm concerned demon i've never seen it so i couldn't give my judgment i i like to say i have this thing where i like to uh where i say 
Oscar worthy performances in really bad movies. And I would say Billy Zane's performance in Demon Knight <laughs> definitely matches that. He is so damn awesome in this otherwise just B movie. Oh, but it's man. a fun B movie. It's You're a making fun me want to watch movie. it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> definitely. You know what? I might watch it tonight, man. It's awesome. Awesome. Uh, has um, great, great uh, character actor performance by uh, Dick Miller of uh, of of uh, Gremlins fame. Oh, yeah. Nice. Dude. Demon Knight, Demon Knight rules. But yeah, this song, I mean, and it's definitely it's it's it definitely definitely fits on a party on a party uh, playlist, too. Even if even if some of it's a little slower, when when that breaks down into that chorus, you know, it's rocking, man. I love this song. Yeah, it's, it's one of the best Pantera songs. I would put it in the top, probably the top three or four. Not my favorite, but certainly up there without a doubt. John, we wanted to close things up with you discussing the 40th anniversary of a specific album. Thank you also for making me feel old, but what album were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about uh, the Misfits classic record, Walk Among Us. You can't think of Halloween and music without thinking the Misfits. The Misfits are the definitive horror punk band. And this was their in very strange thinking about that this was their first record because they had they had been out for years, had countless singles. I mean, they had a very well established discography by this point, but it was had just been seven inches and seven inches and seven inches. And this was their first full length record, which um, came out only uh, about a just just under two years before they would eventually break up. That's weird to think about that. Uh, it's a classic, classic album. It has so many definitive Misfits bangers. You know, it has Astro Zombies, 20 Eyes. I mean, it's opening with 20 Eyes is one of my favorite album openers ever. It's uh, It definitely is uh, in my top five to ten favorite album openers. And it closes off with the absolutely ridiculous and absurd Brain Eaters. But it, it's, it's just filled with just great, 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 great jams. Um, the classic Skulls, which was... Uh, oh, Skulls a, was really good. A song that my band covered when I was in uh, high school and college. We had we, we, we figured something out early. You don't want to be a covers band. But if you do, if you do a Misfits cover and a Chromax cover, people are going to love you. And they'll <laughs> go off. And so have, so have a Chromax and a Misfits cover in your repertoire and you'll be good. And we did at every every show we played Skulls. And that was always the one people went loudest for. So did you give this record a listen? I did. So I'm very, very unfamiliar with the Misfits outside of like a handful of songs. I did know, know Skulls before listening to this album, but I didn't really listen to this album at all. And it's excellent. It, 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 I mean, if you're just looking for a good album to put on and forget about it, like for Halloween, this is the album. It, it is good from front front to back. And it's something you just put on and you don't have to skip a single track on this album. And if it's the season, but obviously if you're, if you're having a party, you may not want to use an entire album unless everybody's there for the misfits. You may want to mix things up, but you can easily pull two or three songs off this for your playlist. And it is, it is, it is funny to think man. 40, this album came out 40 years ago. And now when they're the, uh, the, re, the, um, cause they are reunited now with, uh, the original band, right? Yeah. It's, well, it's, uh, it's, Jerry, uh, Jerry, Jerry, original baseball, baseball player, original bass player, obviously Glenn Danzig on vocals, Doyle on guitar, who was 
he was the third or fourth guitarist the misfits had but he was there for this record he was he was there from uh late 1980 until the band you know uh disbanded he's jerry's younger brother he was kind of always waiting in the wings to be the guitarist on drums they have uh filling in for on drums they have dave lombardo of uh slayer flame of slayer fate nice very nice so and they're and at all these shows that they're doing now they are during the show they are playing uh walk among us in its entirety to celebrate the 40th anniversary that was actually one of the big thrills of uh, my life was a few years ago i flew back to jersey to see the uh reunited lineup at uh the prudential center where uh, in newark so it was kind of it was kind of crazy being at a punk rock show and uh there being sixteen thousand people there <laughs> very in an arena very strange vibe Killer is it the though. first time they got back together? Is that why that was so big? Well, all the all the shows they're playing now, they they, they don't do many. They, they they do a couple a year, and they're always either at these giant festivals or at an arena because that's just how big the demand for it is. But it is just kind of crazy to go to a a show that is features the Misfits, Suicidal Tendencies, Murphy's Law, and the Cro-Mags at the Prudential Center. It's <laughs> that's very strange, very strange, but amazing. As a, as I as I say a lot, I never got to see the Ramones. That's one of my big things in life that makes me sad, but I can say I saw the Misfits and not some fake uh, Bobo lineup that they, you know, that I saw a bunch of times in the 90s. That wasn't I, I the Misfits. I see that lineup also. They yeah. they played they opened up for like War a few times and stuff like that. Yeah, and they're fun, and they were was- fine. And they were fine, but it, but it, I wanted to see the Misfits with Glenn Danzig. Right. And uh, actually, one of the cooler shows I've seen was in 2012. We went to the Electric Factory to see a show, a tour called Danzig Legacy. And the idea was he did a third of Danzig songs, a third Sam Haynes songs, and a third of Misfits songs, and brought out Doyle to play guitar for the Misfits songs. And oh, that's seeing. Cool. Yeah, and seeing that... At, you probably were like, this is the closest I'll get to that, you know, yeah, until later yeah. on. Yeah, and it actually was the cooler show because it was at a smaller venue and I was, you know, I could get it right up front. But to see the misfits, it, it, that's a bucket list item. That's something that I, you know, I can go to my grave saying, I saw the misfits. And there really isn't that many people that can say that. Yeah, I'll have to see if they're going on tour because like I said, I really, really like that album a lot, so... I'm definitely getting more into the Misfits because of that. So I thank you for introducing me to that. And like I said, when we started this podcast, a lot of this is about me and learning from you stuff that I've missed out on because there, there's been a ton of music I've missed out on. So if you guys are following along and stuff, you should definitely listen to John. He's our expert in music. And he's telling us, you know, some things that you, you don't want to miss in your lifetime. And I agree with him. The Misfits Walk Among Us is certainly one of the things you do not want to miss. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and another another thing you could do if you really if you're really digging this record, and, but you don't have the means to just go out and be a completist, they have uh, two amazing co- uh, singles compilations, and they're very they're called easily Collection One and Collection Two. You get most of the you get to most of the original discography on just those two uh, compilations. But I, I say start out with this record, uh, Walk Among Us. To me, it's definitive Misfits, and it's definitive Halloween. Absolutely. So I just want to thank you guys for uh, checking out 
this episode of the Nerdthusiast Music Podcast. Please remember to follow us over on social media at Nerdthusiast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, all of those things. Again, you can support us also on Patreon. We would really appreciate it if you guys can support us over there, on there. You can support us starting at just the dollar level. If you support us at uh, the $5 level, you can get access to exclusive videos every single month from a variety of our creators. So you'll get things from music, uh, movies, podcasts, video games, wrestling. we got a whole bunch of stuff up there for you guys, so please check it out. Also, go to our website, nerthusiast.com. We have blogs and stuff being posted on there. Check out our other podcasts, which are, again, poker, video games, uh, movies, all those things. John, if people want to follow you, where can they find you at? On Twitter, I'm at SloopJ232. And on uh, Instagram, I'm at SloopJohn232. If you guys want to follow me, it's at from NJ2CA. The two is a number two. Next up is going to be The Descendants. Milo goes to Filmage. Now, you might be saying to yourself, that doesn't make any sense. Filmage is a documentary. Milo goes to college is an album. We're going to be discussing both of those things. So please join us for that if you're a Descendants fan or an early punk rocker. After that, in December, you guys get the Rolling Stones. John, thank you for uh, coming on the show today and doing this with me. I had a great time. This was a blast, man. Absolutely. I had a blast too, man. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, guys. Y'all take care.